Welcome to Eastern Carolina Farming. Hello, farmers and friends. I'm Dan Miller. The program is about agriculture across our great state, but particularly here in the east. You can hear this program Mondays at 6.30 and at 6 p.m., or you can catch us on the podcast at ecfarming.com. On today's program, we connect with the second Washington, that one being D.C. Third District Congressman Dr. Greg Murphy takes a break from his schedule to take our call. Eastern Carolina Farming is sponsored by Ag Carolina Farm Credit, First Choice Insurance Partners, and the North Carolina Department of Agriculture and Consumer Services, got to BNC. Jeff Turner is the COO of Murphy Family Ventures and decades-long member of the North Carolina Department of Agriculture. And he's my co-host. Welcome, Mr. Turner. Hey, Dan. Good Monday to you. I hope you had a good weekend. Oh, come on now. How beautiful was it? I tell you what, Friday was almost 90 degrees. and I can tell you something that 95% of all Eastern North Carolinians did last week, and that's move their thermostat from the heat setting to the cool <laughs> setting within 24 yep. hours. Yep, didn't take long. I mean, you, you wake up to a huge frost. It looked like a young snow almost. It's North Carolina weather at its best. I knew that was coming. Every time I read one of the articles about how California is dealing with the flooding, and the excessive rain and the snowpack they've got, which is way beyond where they've been in years, it reminds me of a uh, commissioner saying, every dry spell is followed by a wet spell. That's what the old folks always said. Strawberries are out, and some, some of the early varieties that are uh, high-tunnel strawberries are already at market. Yeah, I saw strawberries as early as last week, actually. Um, the good folks here in Wallace already had their stand outside and, and uh, under the tent and selling fresh berries. When you were a kid, do you remember strawberries in March ever? No, not at all. You, you know, one thing I did see over in Greene County before the big frost was some corn that had peaked out. It had been planted. I'd like to go back by and see what it looks like today, but um, a lot of folks got out early. We talk about commodity prices at good levels. Fertilizer continues its slide down, which is good. And something we talked about with Patrick DeHaan, a fuel buddy, increased capacity coming online for diesel. Now we see diesel prices down, uh, I think the national average is something like four and change. Uh, last week, gas, gasoline and diesel jumped like 30 or 40 cents overnight. And uh, no one's been able to explain that to me. If you look at oil prices, they're still on either side of 70 bucks. So I'm not sure what caused that spike last, last week, but, um, it was out there, but it beats the heck out of five bucks. EPA division head Regan testified in front of Congress last week. He's looking for 2000 new staffers to bring up the level of the EPA and 247% increase in the agency's environmental justice efforts, as well as 60% boost to help states air quality. Looks like when we're going to hire folks for the EPA, they're going to be inspector kind of folks. More regulations, more. What has social justice got to do with the environment to begin with? I don't know why you need to add personnel because you simply sue EPA and it never goes to court. We simply settle out of court. And if you are the affected party, you're being impacted that impacted and you don't spend money with a lawyer to get yourself involved to get yourself enjoined in that lawsuit somehow, it gets settled in the back room, and the impacted party just has to accept whatever they decide they're going to settle on. There's a case that just happened. It settled last week. that The judge threw it out, and I'm, I'm satisfied. Had industry in this particular case, the pig industry, not gotten active and gotten involved, 
the outcome could have been a, a lot different. Was that in Missouri? No, that was actually a permit issue in North Carolina with regard to digesters. You know, we spoke oh, to Craig yeah. Westerbeek last week, and you know, it was being challenged. The whole permitting process was being challenged. Hey, you and, know, there's some things that I just uh, that I shake a head at, and I don't understand. And, and that one is is the environmentalists suing to stop digesters when they are better for the environment and they produce non-carbon related energy. 20 years ago, excuse me, 23 years ago, we were confronted by the Attorney General at that time, Mike Easley, and he basically set forth saying that he wanted, he had a faction in his, in his, uh, department that said, you just, you, you gotta cover all these lagoons. Just cover them. Well, you just can't cover the lagoon and walk away from it. Number one, it's an expensive proposition to cover it. And then, you know, other than you keep rainwater out of it, what did you accomplish? And so out of that came the so-called Smithfield Agreement. But the environmental community, that's all they could talk about. You got to cover these lagoons. Well, now there's a way, there's a mechanism to not only cover the lagoon, but figure out how to pay for that cover and produce a revenue stream that helps the farmer. And now that's bad. I'm a farmer. I'm a hunter. I'm a fisherman. We, we're in the boat business. We do all these things outside. So you, you won't find a, a group. I don't think that's any closer to the environment than we are. The extremism that's out there is just amazing to me. They do not want a solution. If they have a solution to an issue, then they're no longer needed. They, they, they gotta have a whipping boy. Agriculture has been a pretty good whipping boy. I, I would be remiss if I didn't if I did not mention this. State House Majority Leader John Bell filed a NC Farmland and Military Protection Act, basically to uh, protect American North Carolinian farm agricultural land and land surrounding military bases within 25 miles of a military installation or airport from being sold to foreign adversaries, most likely China, Russia. Iran, but also uh, they take their key from what the uh, State Department says are those that encourage terrorism. Uh, we're going to talk to Congressman Murphy coming up, and I'm, I'm, I'm sure we, we've heard before from a number of people that there is there's kind of a call for this sort of thing. It's going to be kind of hard to thread that needle, so to speak. I, I'm a, a defender of property rights, and I, I ought to have the right to do what I would like to do with my property. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, uh, based on, again, this is all about the China issue and, and about national security. And there's so much distrust that, you know, if you want to, if, if the Chinese want to fix this, they need to fix the trust problem. If the trust problem goes away, <laughs> then the woman would probably have an issue. You know, we got a lot of foreign owned land in North Carolina already. And have had for many, many years. In fact, not, probably one of the largest ag operations yeah. east of I-95 is not owned by USA. It's it's owned by a foreign entity. And none of these, and, though, no adversarial enemies. In fact, if you looked at all of uh, North Carolina's ag land, I don't think any of these adversaries own any significant portion. They do not. And, and I, so I, I think you know, John uh, Representative Bell has done a good job with this bill. I've, I've glanced through it. I haven't read it word for word, but I, I think he's done a good job threading the needle to try to get it right. And a number of states have already done what Representative Bell has proposed. Coming up in just a second, we're going to talk to Congressman Murphy. 
he's the first person to serve that outline or did he was he elected originally in a district that's different than he's representing that is true he was predominantly pit and the water counties now he actually he represents duplin county most of sampson county as well i think so he you know his district shifted it south and, and west a bit i'll use my time wisely during the commercial break and research the counties that congressman murphy represents Eastern Carolina Farming is brought to you in part by the North Carolina Department of Agriculture and Consumer Services. Got to be NC, North Carolina's official business development and marketing program for agriculture. More than agriculture, it's got to be NC. A reminder, too, this is a great time to download the Visit NC app. Tells you where all the farmers markets are throughout the state. Our area in particular, strawberries are in season. This is Talk 96.3 and 1037's Eastern Carolina Farming. Joining us is 3rd District Congressman Dr. Greg Murphy. And as promised before the break, I did research on what the 3rd District is. Beaufort, Camden, Carteret, Craven, Currituck, Dare, Duplin, Hyde, Jones, Lenore, Onslow, Pamlico, Sampson, part of Pitt County, part of Wayne County, is the 3rd District. Jeff, the first question for Congressman Murphy. I know there's a lot going on, obviously, and Greg, tell us a little bit about the trade situation and that's always important to agriculture especially the products that we produce here have to go abroad by by the way i'm not sure there's been much trade well that's the point that's the direct point literally just walked out of a trade hearing committee hearing rather on uh, on trade uh in ways and means and we have ambassador ty um as the witness and that's the theme it's there hasn't been anything done in the last two years President Trump did a tremendous amount of work on the MCA and some other things, and then it's come to a screeching halt with Biden. And I have yet to be able to discuss this. My question, my time for questioning has not come up yet. All I'm hearing over and over again is I look forward to working with you on this. And so my response is, hell, you've had two years to work on this. Why have we not done anything in any progress? Uh, you know, if you just take Taiwan, for example, and our port exports to Taiwan since 2021 have declined 35%. Declined 35% in a time when Taiwan's imports are 15% higher. So why are we declining imports to Taiwan when we were the biggest importer there for pork products in a time when they're actually needing more? It, it makes no sense. It defies logic. And it just goes to be... Jeff and Dan, and I hate to be pessimistic on this, but this is a theme of this administration. We are weak, weak, weak. We are rotting from the inside because of their directives, and we're not helping our country out economically. We're not helping our farmers out. We're not helping out the people who work for this country. The derangements of this administration's priorities are absolutely crippling this country. I'd love to say, to give you a better story on trade, I'm going to be pretty forthright when I question her. It's not going to be a kumbaya moment. It's going to be pretty much what have you been doing for two years? Because we were doing very well under the previous administration, and now we've basically hit a a wall. They've been busy trying to make sure that we get our ESG correct. Yeah, again, all of our pronouns on our on all our forms, and you know, it's just an absolute perverse priority list uh, that this administration has been pushing forward. It's doing. Um, to help America maintain or even now try to regain the prominence of the world. You, you guys, the Republicans, have control of the House at this point, and we've watched what happened 
when the other side had control of all three houses, nothing took place. Do you think we're going to finally get some traction on some of these issues? Do you do you think that that the House of Representatives will be able to bring these issues forward, get them in front of people? and hopefully change some direction, or are we just hung out to dry until a new election? There are a couple things there. One, we only we only control one of the two chambers, and we don't control the White House. So we have a lot of good things that we want to bring to light, uh, which is going to be important, but how we move on them is going to be challenging because Schumer doesn't want to do anything that's going to hurt the Biden uh, anti-America agenda. And the second thing is, and, and you all know this, the uh, other arm of the Democratic Party is the media. And we won't be able to get our message out. We'll be able to get it out, you know, on Fox and some of the other news stations. But it's going to have to be horribly bad, which it's heading that way, for any of the other major networks even to pick up on it. So it's going to be a challenge. That said, we will continue to work and continue to put one foot in front of the other and hopefully be able to bring some sense do this to the American people. Let's jam the inbox over on the Senate side with every bill that you possibly can that will correct what's going on and put it back on the Senate to try to, to deal with it. That's what the plan is. And, uh, you know, Schumer's already said, well, some things are dead on arrival over there. Well, let's Hell, see he's what dead that on arrival. He, he's, he's useless. One thing about you, Jeff, it's always hard to pull out your real opinions. <laughs> but you're absolutely right. It's absolutely right. Um, it's more about pronouns. It's more about unions. It's more about reparations. It's rather these extraneous things. Well, and they have their avenue of importance, but they sure don't rank uh, as high as feeding America, American jobs, the American situation and uh, reputation across the world uh, where we've all been plummeting. Uh, during the last two years. Farmers are up against the EPA, banning pesticides, in particular the WOTUS rule, which the Biden rule now in place. Congress has actually taken some action toward that, and we've got the Supreme Court coming up with a decision that is uh, critical to that. Tell, tell us about the bill that the House passed. We want to go back to the Trump-era rules. My gosh, Dan, they want to be in every facet of your life. They want to control your stove. They want to control your washing machines. They want to control your boats on the ocean. And now they want to control the little streams and little creeks on your farm. It's absolutely asinine, and it shows the massive federal government overreach that this administration and the progressive left want to pinch on the, on the lives of Americans. So what we're basically trying to do is basically set it back, say this is nonsense. I voted against the waters of the United States rule that the EPA had put out. I've put, you know, we put an amendment uh, on some legislation to try to just block this, try to get not funding for it. And it's just going to be a fight. It's just going to be an absolute fight. And what's the problem is you have one administration saying it's okay. The next one comes in and says it's not. It just gives uh, our farmers and landowners absolutely no degree of certainty as to how to manage their own land. It's another asinine rule of demonstration of this administration's attack America policy. This is Talk 96.3 and 103.7. More to come in two minutes. This is Talk 96.3 and 103.7's Eastern Carolina Farming. I'm Dan Miller, joined by Jeff Turner and Congressman Greg Murphy, 3rd District of North Carolina, 
prior to taking break, we were talking about the waters of the U.S. rule, and that actually could have an effect on one of your pet projects, Congressman, and that is flood mitigation in eastern North Carolina. You've had symposiums in Greenville, most recently in Wilmington. Yeah, this is where we're working with our state colleagues. You know, there was a good part in the budget. Jim Perry, um, Tim Moore, and uh, John Bell have worked really hard on that. They actually set aside some state money to work on this, and we're working with them really a state issue, but we want to be as good federal partners as possible. And that's one reason I convened, you know, the first summit two years ago was really just to bring all the different constituencies under the same roof, academics, government agencies, both state and federal members in uh, the state house, state senate, and in Congress to pull things together. And then other, you know, private constituencies to pull folks together under one roof try to start working towards a common goal. I think our governor not have, may not have been happy that I took this initiative. Uh, we may even move it to Raleigh this year to make it a statewide initiative. But it's something that needs to be done, and it needs to be done in a coordinated effort. So we're working with them. The main thing that the federal government can do is, number one, stop this nonsense WOTUS rule, and two, is work on funding um, to help with state projects. Because if you carry all the flooding down to the farthest level out or the most proximal, the furthest part upstream. What we need to do is the furthest part downstream is we need to start clearing that out because that does no good if you can unleash flooding from upstream or if it has nowhere to go. And this is where I've been working on the thing in Oregon Inlet, the inlet, uh, the jetty down there, not only for commercial fishing, recreational fishing or other things, but honestly for flood mitigation. Because we can clear out the tar, we can clear out the noose, we can clear out the Chowan River and all the creeks and tributaries thereof, but it does no good if the water can't go anywhere out into the ocean. So, again, it's a big-picture kind of view. Um, we have to get everything cleaned out downstream first and then work the way back upstream to make sure that we actually take care of, um, help mitigate the flooding that's going to happen in eastern North Carolina. So as we look forward to um, the trade and those issues, obviously commodity prices are doing pretty good these days. Fertilizer prices seem to be coming down and stabilizing. Your district obviously has a, an awful, awful lot of agriculture in it. Uh, the farm bill is important to a good number of people. Do you see any movement at all? Uh, there's been some a little bit of a divide in the caucus on whether to move on it or to not move on it. Um, I think it's important that we provide our producers with stability so they know where the government stands on how best to support them. I do see something happening. Um, it's just not being done in a very fast manner, to put it you know, accurately. The Fed just hiked the interest rate last week, another quarter point to fight inflation. Where's the economy going? What's the information that you're aware of there? Well, I think if you look at the overall economy, what has happened because of runaway spending led to runaway inflation, and then which has led to rising meteoric rise in interest rates to chase. And Biden still continues to want to spend recklessly. And that further fuels the inflation, that fuel, further fuels the rise in interest rates. So it makes borrowing, you know, which works on, on every single facet of uh, an agricultural policy, it makes it harder and harder. You know, you have to borrow for equipment. You have to borrow fertilizer products. You have to borrow for so much. But if your rates are going so much and your commodity prices don't go up with them, 
we end up losing farms, and we you know, it's just a terrible. So again, it's trying to work some type of economic policy that makes sense um, and doesn't kill us as far as inflation. Very difficult economic time for farmers. The USDA actually had some farm numbers out, shrinking number of medium and small size farms. That's a concern. When you know the average age of a farmer in the U.S. is 57, it's kind of like the average age of my kind of surgery is 60. Uh, that's not a good thing. Uh, we need to have younger people going into farming, uh, staying on family farms, not turning into corporate America on the farms, and it's critical. We also need to keep foreign investment out. Local Representative Bell put a initiative forward to limit foreign ownership. There's a drumbeat for that nationally. Is anything like that crossed your desk, a foreign ownership of agricultural lands in the U.S.? Yes, absolutely. I can't remember which representative submitted that bill, but there is an appetite for that. Of course, some of the progressives on the other side will say we're being racist, we're being bigots, we're being isolationists and all this other nonsense. No, we're caring about national security. We'll see how that pans out. I think we ought to push it. We ought to push Schumer to push it and then, uh, you know, put this president in a, in a situation where he has to do something about it. Greg, thank you so much. It's always a pleasure. Congressman, thank you for your time. Have a great week. All right, guys. And I'll have a brief look at commodity prices week over week. That's in a moment on Eastern Carolina Farming. This is Talk 96.3 and 103.7. I'm Dan Miller. Let's take a look at market numbers week over week. May corn gained on the week. Soybeans were down 47 cents on the week. May meal also down while soy oil lost 419 points on the week. Soybeans may have found their near-term low after experiencing a $1.50 sell-off from the February 22nd high. May cotton fell 104 points to 76.54 cents to close the week, losing 121 points on the week. April live cattle futures closed at $163 on Friday, thereby marking a weekly advance of 67.5 cents. Meanwhile, April feeder cattle futures finished the week at $194.80 at Friday's settlement. That represents a 15-cent weekly rise. Despite widespread pessimism about the cattle beef outlook amidst broader financial and economic concerns, cash cattle rebounded last week, with a Monday through Thursday average rising to 164.39, up 28 cents from the prior week. April lean hog futures for the week lost $2.70. Lean hog futures market on Friday saw short covering of the recent price downdraft that pushed April futures to a contract low on Thursday. Close to home, North Carolina's egg prices were higher on all sizes when compared to the prior week. North Carolina weighted average price closed Thursday, March the 24th, for small lot sales of delivered carton grade A eggs was 374.70 for extra large, 361.53 for large, 315.93 for medium, and 198 for small eggs. Number two yellow shelled corn was one to nine cents higher when compared to last week. Prices mostly 695 to 724 at the feed mills, 680 to 719 at the elevators through Thursday, March the 23rd. Number one yellow soybeans were eight to sixty-nine cents lower, range fourteen sixty-four to fifteen sixty-one at the processors, mostly fourteen twenty to fourteen ninety-six at the elevators. Number two red winter wheat was mixed thirty-three cents higher to two cents lower, range five eighty-seven to six ninety at the elevators. Soybean meal FOB at processing plants range five oh three thirty to five forty-one per ton for forty-six and a half to forty-eight percent protein. New crop prices quoted for harvest delivery. Corn was 562 to 658 and three quarters. Soybeans were 1238 to 1323 and wheat ranged 549 to 708. And that's this week's Eastern Carolina Farming. If you miss a show, play the podcast on demand. You'll find it at ecfarming.com. 
You'll also find links there to our sponsors, Bag Carolina Farm Credit, First Choice Insurance Partners, and the North Carolina Department of Agriculture and Consumer Services. Eastern Carolina Farming is a production of Interbanks Media. If you like the show and you have a suggestion on a topic, you can email me, dan at ecfarming.com. For Jeff Turner and myself, Dan Miller, have a great week.